listening to Represent, the QueerMusicals.com podcast. Welcome to Represent, the QueerMusicals.com podcast. Uh, I'm James Lovelock and I'm joined today by Alice Croft and Evie Rose Lane, who have both recently been in But I'm a Cheerleader. Um, I'm going to get you to introduce yourself. So let's start with Alice, if that's okay. That's fine. Hello, I'm Alice Croft. I, uh, in Cheerleader, I played Megan. I'm also a co-founder of a company called The Gradfest, where we support graduates coming out of uh, drama school and into the industry without it being as daunting as we think. So, yeah. Lovely. I, yeah. I'm an actor. I'm a writer. I'm a director. I do a bit of everything. Excellent. Marvellous. Let's turn to Evie. I'm Evie. Uh, I played Graham in But I'm a Cheerleader, and I, I don't really know what I do. You play the piano. I play the piano. Yeah, and I do uh, my biannual uh, online content. I'm sure the next thing will be on in about three months. <laughs> talk about Glee. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> Excellent. This is marvellous. I feel we've done a really good job of introducing you. yourselves there. Lovely. Sound awful. <laughs> yeah, where did you get those two from? Gosh. <laughs> Um, so on this podcast, we've been talking. Uh, I've been talking to various guests a little bit about representation, whatever that might mean uh, to you. And so I'm going to think a little bit today about, um, particularly with, um, but I'm a cheerleader and how important that musical has been uh, for particularly female queer representation. I think also for non-binary representation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was going to ask you a little bit about how you got involved in, but I'm a cheer. I mean, obviously you're probably auditioned for it. Didn't you just go? <laughs> I'll be in that, me, me. But, Only it worked like that all the time. <laughs> that would be good, wouldn't it? Um, but yeah, a little bit about um, working on But I'm a Cheerleader and particularly the idea, I think, of it being um, like a queer space um, mm. and a, or a queer inclusive space or queer friendly space, whatever we want to call it. So yeah, tell us a little bit about But I'm a Cheerleader. Well, it's a musical. Um, yeah, we both got, we both auditioned. Well, I auditioned. Evie, you were asked, right? Yeah, not to brag or anything. <laughs> so basically, I, from what I understand is it was meant to happen a lot earlier than it yeah. than it did. And there were some people who were asked to do it or audition previously. And then things happened, time passed, other commitments came up. Um, and then I got involved in the, the, the cast that happened. Um, I auditioned and it was a very quick process, all done via self-tape, which Lovely. was bizarre. Um, so they must have had a lot of faith in me, which is brave. Um, <laughs> but no, it was great. And the, the, the material, I, I mean, speaking for myself, the material I got sent for the audition was material from the show rather than pick your own song. And straight away I was like, ooh, this is really cool. This is nice. But I, it was one of those tapes where afterwards I went, okay, I'll forget about that because not, that's not going to happen. Because one, it's the lead. Two, it's a brand new musical. And I was like, then like a month later, you've had an offer through. I was like, oh, really? What could this be? Offer, but I'm a cheerleader. You know, it came out of nowhere and uh, it was insane. And I'd had a lot of bad news up until that point. So it was the first good news in a while. Then we found out the cast. Well, I think I was just, because I got asked to do it and I think, uh, September, September or August. So I was just kind of. So we, then it got pushed back, uh, which I think was probably a good thing actually, because I think COVID was more rampant mm. in that period of time. 
I was just so desperate to find out who was in it. <laughs> and then we found <laughs> out through a friend. Yeah. And I messaged you, I went, Graham. Graham. Like, <laughs> Megan. <laughs> we were told, I mean, I was told I got it. Then, like, less than a month later, it was, okay, time to move to London, because I'm not London-based. Yeah. And then make a show in two weeks and then yeah. put the show on so it was intense mm. but by the end like the show we had was i still think so funny so silly yeah it was really lovely i mean i got to see it twice so i was i felt very lucky <laughs> um but it's it was really um beautifully put together and one of the things that really um i think i was really taken by was the idea of it being um such a, a joyful queer cast involved in it yeah. or mainly queer cast involved in it and it it did something different it definitely to me it definitely elevated the material because it's quite an old uh, film isn't it is it late 90s early 2000s yeah 99 yeah, yeah. so and it's one of the things i suppose with with those sort of things and especially with anything which has got queer content is that queerness is changing all the time yeah. so bringing something forward at 20 or 25 years is is quite a um it's quite a task isn't it so yeah I think it, it's not necessarily a good thing but I think it's almost depressingly relevant mm. um and even though there is progress and there is you know it was, is almost inevitable in a 20-year period I remember I think about halfway through the run we saw the news that they were not they'd chosen like the government here had chosen not to ban conversion therapy which is just which is so wild because the show was it's just it's not even that we're going like you don't have to say, like, it's wrong. You just go, look how ludicrous this is. Yeah. Like, it's just, you, it's, it is laughable because it's mm. just, it's so ridiculous. But it feels, it, it's like slight melancholy to the fact that it's maintained its relevancy. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely. But, uh, but also I think it was very modern for its time. Mm. Uh, I remember one of the original cast from the film came uh, to see the show. Oh, wow. Um, he was really lovely and he'd said that, you know, when he wanted to do it, his agent was like, "You can't, like, I will have to drop you if you do it," because it was so, mm. like, it was still quite controversial. Yeah, yeah he hadn't come out. At yeah, that point. he didn't come out, but it was and neither had um, Claire Duvall mm. uh, at the time. Uh, so I think it was like fresh yeah. and quite rare, and to have like a joyful ending for like lesbians still mm. it was count on one hand. Uh, in <laughs> in media when that happens so yes. i think in a way it was already ahead of its time so yeah definitely and it's uh, as well with musical theater i think it's been musical theater has been very slow to include queer female protagonists i was thinking the other day i mean I, I i know of a few smaller musicals but the only ones i can think of really would be the color purple and fun home mm -hmm. Um, and Bad Girls, which was on in the uh, mm. Bad Girls, the musical. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think Fun Home is like, it was my, when I talked to some of the like girls who came to see Cheerleader, mm. the way they would talk about it, I was like, that was me when I saw Fun Home. Yeah. It was like my life. I think Changing My Major is arguably like the greatest song of the, you know, uh, musical of the 21st century. I think it's Absolutely. like revolutionary and speaks to, again, like Joy of Queer Discovery. Yes. Um and it's a really important show, but it's still, yeah, I know what you mean. I think having almost like traditional uh, romance uh, is is very, it's quite sparse in musicals. But and I think that was what was interesting is how 
uh, Tanya, the director. Yes. I, I don't, I can't remember her saying it explicitly, but I think it came up in conversation between us and Tanya saying how we wanted to tackle this as a, any couple. Mm. It's, it's, it's a relationship. It's not, we're not going, oh, look, two girls. It's just, this is a relationship and how yeah. do relationships blossom? Obviously, the circumstances in the way between Megan and Graham, but ultimately, it's a relationship. And, and people, some feedback that I was getting was, they were watching it and just saying, "Oh, this is this looks so normal." Mm. They weren't going, mm, "What's going on here, ladies?" Yeah. It was more just like seeing a, any any old love scene in in yeah. any musical, the classic Hollywood ones, "Boy Meets Girl." It was very that. The only difference is we both identify as female. Yeah, and I think also what it, it had um, quite a unique effect and that it both was very like you know moving and and special to particularly like young and like of all ages lesbians that came to see the show who I talked to but also because it was so just natural and normal I think for other people it probably I think seeing stuff like that is very important just for general Mm -hmm. like audiences because it um it just makes it seem like right you know I think it can it can be a really good gateway to more understanding I think that's really a very important thing that doesn't necessarily come along very often so I think it's really nice to introduce like a great when we were doing it my grandma came to see it I thought it was gonna you know I thought she was gonna have a heart attack (laughs) but um but she like loved it she's like 86 or whatever but I think it like it's almost you know discovery into this world that seemed but it seems very you know it yeah. was quite a lot of first people's venture into queerdom, as mm, I would say. Totally. Not that I came up with that phrase. I think <laughs> that's been used for years, but the the this, this little queer bubble, um, family and friends who know I do theatre and I've always been, you know, fabulous, darling. Um, but it's the first time a lot of them had experienced things that I've experienced or been involved with for, for years, mm. things I'm passionate about. And they were like, oh, it's just, they they were like I just enjoyed it I, I wasn't even there getting I didn't allow myself to get confused or be like oh is this what a gay bar is like oh oh that's a drag queen like they, they they just were wholeheartedly like from the beginning super involved and and just enjoyed it and, and it was in it was it was just joyful in every yeah. sense of the word and that's yeah why the show is so powerful because it comes from that perspective even though there are the God awful themes of conversion therapy and um, homophobia, etc. Yeah, it's a re- it's the kind of classic reclaiming in the sense yeah. of that space. And I think having, I mean, even though we say like casting was abrupt, it was kind of an amazing. The <laughs> group cast of were unbelievable. Insane. Like yeah. not like not a sing like everyone in rehearsals. I was like, oh my god, everyone is you know. Everyone is their character. Yeah, totally, mm. and was so shaped. Um, and because I think we had such a short rehearsal process too. We had no choice. We just had to yeah. kind of, like, you know, uh, just kick into gear. And I think it was stuff continued to show. I think if you came right at the beginning mm. and then came, like, two months later, you probably would see a more yeah, developed product. Definitely. Um, you mentioned uh, Tanya Azevedo there, who's um, the director um, and Tanya's somebody um, that's been involved quite a lot in, um, I think, queer, 
Shakespeare musicals and new musical theatre mm -hmm. particularly as well. How did you find working with Tanya? I mean, you said it was quite a short process. Great. She, she treats you as a human being mm. first rather than actor, sec, uh, actor first. You yeah. know, she comes at things in a very human or approachable way, in my opinion. Um, again, she, she's very joyous and, and loves to celebrate femininity and females because that's her experience of it. Yeah. And everything was very personal. You could see how much this project meant to her mm. and it was her enthusiasm became my enthusiasm, became the audience's enthusiasm. It was just infectious. Um, no, I'd do anything to work with her again. I think she's... Yeah. Do you hear that, Tanya? I'd do anything to work <laughs> with you again. Um, no, she is, she is wonderful. Yeah, I think also she really encouraged... I think with adaptation, it can always be, a, you know, mm. tricky. Yes. I think you see certain things that are more or less successful. Um, but I think the key, which I think she seemed to really get from the beginning, is that it's not a copy, mm. you know? It's yes. not, uh, you know, it's not rote for rote. Um, and there's obviously going to be, you know, changes, as you say, like approaching people as the person that they are first. Like, I think she actively, of course, like it is the Bible of like of the movie, but it's about uh, following the guidance of it rather than being yeah. like, let's copy and paste. Because I think that just... Well, inevitably she's yeah mm. she's also a fantastic listener she yes. listened to all our th thoughts feelings opinions when people because one thing we should mention is that the the musical was is is, is not mega fresh it's been a they mm. the writers wrote it not quite, not, not quite, long after the movie yeah. came out they started it yeah. started workshopping it so so a lot of things have changed yes. and there were certain things that in the rehearsal room people pointed out and said, let's, let's see if we can change this. And luckily, the creative team did listen and That's took good. on board thoughts, feelings, and opinions again. Um, and ultimately, I think the final product, I mean, from what I understand is that, that they're not married to it. This, this still, they still want things mm. to change and develop, you know. Um, but the finished product was good. <laughs> it's yeah. probably a better word Good. for it but but they it, it was if you for example easier way to describe it is the script we were given on day one yeah was very different yeah to the final we made, they made changes they were going to have graham vaping instead of smoking which <laughs> mm. i thought was a disgrace <laughs> she smells like vape and flowers yeah i was like that she it's not it's also Ooh, just so uncool she was like, it just would immediately be like, this girl sucks. <laughs> so <laughs> that, we, we fought for that yeah. very valiantly. You did. Yeah, I think it's like, but it's like the cool new thing. But I think you have to be cautious with modernising, mm. you know? Yes. I think it needs to exist in its own Which was, like, time. It's interesting because one thing we were, a conversation we had was, when is this set now? Yes. And then they kind of said, oh, it's, we don't know. So then, which was another reason why we went, so why vaping? There was quite a few That's things I mean. that were very specific to time and then things that weren't. Yeah, I think it was wise to... Make just, it ambiguous. Yeah, yes. it gives it like its own, like... Because it, it does feel like this ethereal world of like, mm. you know, it's like, it's bigger than life. It's, there's, you know, I don't know if caricature is the right word, but, the, you know, you have... Yes. It is heightened. Mm. It's a heightened show. 
So I think in every sense, in every sense, but to av- like I think to avoid being reliant on an era and also like the f- the feel. I think what I really love about the show is I think probably because it was started to be written a while ago mm. um, during kind of an era where like you know Menken and and Schwartz and like sure. those kind of things. It has a really like lovely old fashioned feel to some mm, of the music. It does, yeah. It's a love like it's which I love and it doesn't I don't know it just feels very like and the structure of the show is very is mm. kind of traditional yeah. in a lot of ways so even when we were saying you know like you know Boy Meets Girl is the classic but it has you know it has the structure which again yes. is like a like a reclaiming of the tradition. well it's like the writers said they watched the film and turned around and went this has to be a musical yeah because it's already mm. it already is perfect yeah. the structure yeah. it, it is a musical some yeah. things just write themselves <laughs> but no I, I think the score I was immediately like, I really love the, I like think like a whole new me, which is like quite near the beginning. Mm. I I think it's almost like Disney esque. It's yes. like this really lovely um, layered. There's great group numbers in this. Mm. It's a lot of really great groups numbers, which are arguably my favorite. I really love. Mm. Like I think they're just there's like a lovely charm to it, and it does feel Definitely. kind of quaint, which I think is really. I think if it was a full blast kind of like modern thing, I don't think it would have that same. I don't know, it makes it very more earnest, I think. Graham's Kiss, I think, is very much in that sort of old-fashioned uh, type feel. And like we were saying earlier, it helps to almost... Um, norm- I don't know if normalise is the right word, but it helps to kind of put a queer relationship on the same level as the relationships that we usually see in um, mm. musical theatre. Um, is there a, is, There's a duet as well, isn't there, between... This is how it feels. This, that's the key too. This is how it feels. <laughs> it's, that was very beautiful. Free singing. How exciting. Yeah, you're welcome. But actually, it's so unusual to have um, any sort of queer duet. I mean, I was, this is something I've been looking at. And most of the time, if there's a duet between two queer characters, either they're not in the same room yeah, or, that's so true. Uh, you know, or they are, they're just not given, they're not given that sort of moment where they can sing to each other. Yeah. And that was something that I thought was quite special. And it's like a, I shouldn't be here, we shouldn't be in love. Yeah. Mm. Uh oh, we're yeah. gonna be in trouble because we're gay. <laughs> oh, that's really beautiful, Alice. I think Thank I might you. record yeah. that later. That's your second jingle. It's actually, the Thank lyrics. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> they were the ones in the original script. We changed them. But yeah, I think I, she talking to people about that duet is like the one thing where I feel like it was so meaningful to a lot of like mm. queer people. I remember Tanya saying, you know, some like kind of, you know, cisgender men that she talked to were like, that it was quite a lot. It's she a was, bit much. And she was oh. like, okay, like, you know, I think it's, you know, it feels um, romantic rather than through a, you know, uh, male gaze kind of mm. thing. Yeah, which that f- phrase was thrown around a lot. Mm, so avoiding that, I think, yes. was really key. And seeing it through, like, I think, ultimately like Megan's gaze mm. um, is really integral to yes. see it as like a, a journey and see it through her eyes rather than as like, you know, it's that, that duet's not really for the audience, it's for like her. Mm. Yes. I think it's for her like exploratory means rather than for the other people. So definitely. Yeah, I like that it was some people were like, that was quite a lot. It's like, okay. Not yeah. as if you don't go and see plays all the time, just people. Exactly. <laughs> if, if it were, if it were uh, a cisgendered male and cisgendered female I'm, I'm sure even with two guys I go and see plays all the time like with you know 
very and he plays explicit. All the time. And he plays all the time, actually. And <laughs> you <laughs> I'm seeing one now. Yeah, <laughs> going later. But you see, I think there's generally a, a lot more um, like cis male like gay relationships yeah, oh, explored, 100%. and with you know very little restraint in terms of like you know sexual expression in those sure. ways, which is like no criticism of that. But I think. I think in that ist- instance, it's rather than it being a sexuality thing, it's a gender thing. It's a mm. yeah. very binary. Meh, meh. Yeah, the girls aren't doing it for even, the guys. Even in a, a cisgendered relationship with a heterosexual relationship, um, it is like the coy female. Totally. Mm. The man who's got his... Yeah, I was gonna say she's gonna get his porn dick out. Yeah. Oh, I know that like, song. <laughs> the man has got, got his, his dick out. Yeah, <laughs> but it's so true. Like it's, it is that. Um, yeah, but in this case, male v female. Yeah, which it doesn't. It doesn't quite feel like that. It it is. I think it's just like I think a lot of like reviews or people talking about it would say it just like you see like your mm. people. I see myself because it's just yeah. too. You know, there's not necessarily. Even though, like, Graham is, like, sort of guiding, but it's not... Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, like, it's more encouragement rather than guidance. Sure. It still feels like Megan's Or oh, she's allowing... She's offering the hand out. Yeah. You come hither. But she's still... It's, like, nervous, too, about yeah. it. Because it's, it's new in a in a different way. But all relationships are when you're a teenager. She's 17. They're both 17. Yeah. 17. She is now. Um, that, that age, you're exploring things regardless of who... It is, or how you identify. It's all new. Yeah. So, like, yeah. If people just saw two girls and went, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and um, but then they left and went, ah, oh. oh. yeah. yeah. I think that's a lovely kind of vocal representation Aww. of. Yeah. But I'm a, it's a podcast has to be absolutely. Aww. If you're interested in LGBTQ plus representation in musical theatre, check out our website www.queermusicals.com for lots more information about musicals with LGBTQ plus characters. I think also if I'd seen it when I was a teenager, like my friend, my really great friend Lucy came to press night and she was like, if I'd seen this when I was 16, like my life would be different. Like it would, she's like, it would be different. Yeah. Um, it, it would be, you know, people were like saying to me, you know, I came up to my parents. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think it gave courage to people. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I was thinking, I'm like, if I... And, and seeing it in a more mainstream way, because the film was quite, it was, it was underground. It was an independent film. Mm. It wasn't, didn't have mass releases. And for this to get like some of the publicity that it did... Because yeah. I didn't know about the film Bad Queer. I but I didn't. I loved the movie, but had that thing when I was, I think I saw it when I was like thirteen or something, and I would watch it like all the time. But mm. I'd be like, I'm not watching it like in my bed in the dark because I'm gay. I'm not not telling my mm. parents that I like it. It's not because I'm not because I'm queer. It's just because I like it and think it's good. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, but just justifying it for myself because I was I was obsessed with Claude Duval. Um, but just like I just thought she was cool, wasn't wasn't gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really interesting gay. thing to uh, to think about is um, role models as we were growing up. Because as you said, I'm very aware that there's always been a lot more cis gay male 
role models, although probably still not as many as you would hope. I mean, certainly if you go back to my childhood, all those many centuries ago, um, there was Yesterday? Wasn't, <laughs> yesterday, yes, when I was small. I'm only 22. Um, but yes, if you go back, there were, you know, there wasn't loads. But um, I think particularly for, for queer women, it's much more difficult to find those sorts of role models. So did you have, um, other than, um, but I'm a cheerleader, did you have other kind of... Uh, people that you looked up to or characters or shows that you really enjoyed as you were growing up? That's a good question. I mean, as Alice outed me as a Glee fan, that was a big... <laughs> oh, yeah. I huge. mean, that, it is true, though. Because I remember looking at um, Brittany and Savannah, isn't it? Yeah, Santana. Santana. I'm not as much as a yeah, fan. It's embarrassing. <laughs> um, I remember watching it and being like, this is great. But again, the clogs, the, the clogs, <laughs> the clogs are turning. The cogs are turning. But but I I wasn't able to put the pieces together. I think that was. But that I think that's a very universal feeling. But where you you look at someone you, and you go, wow, I want to be them. Oh wait, I like them. It's, yeah, it's that totally. So I found myself. I think I can't. I can't actually think of anyone specifically, but I remember admiring people or like watching like America's Next Top Model yeah. and one of the girls would be like openly queer and have like a pixie cut and I'd be like, wow, I want to be them. Yeah. But not working out why. I, I think it's very... Because I think about that a lot and I, I know actually a lot of people, um, particularly women who have come out like in their 20s and have, you know like several people like later on and I feel like that probably will continue because I think just in terms of again like the gaze of society mm. I think we tend I think women just we're conditioned to be like women are, are hot like so I think you would you know what I mean it's like they are viewed in that capacity sure. uh, above all so I think it was it's easy for you to be like oh but she's like super like she's really beautiful and I think she's but I don't think we equate it to attraction mm. because it's harder that that line is quite blurred yeah. I think it's hard for you to recognize that like it doesn't I, I don't think it occurs so easily to women I just, I think it like is harder to figure it out it's, it's a very unique experience I know we're going slightly off path here but it is uh, we're on a roll um <laughs> It's a very unique experience and, and you don't truly, un and it, something you truly don't understand. It's like, I'd be looking at guys and I'd be like, they're fine, I guess. But she's so pretty. Yeah. Everything, And I'd be able to like pinpoint specifically this, this, this. But that guy's fine, I guess. Yeah, he's fine. It's, it's, a, it's, it's very weird. Once things, once things stick into place. But then I also, alternatively, I'd look at um, uh, cisgendered males and be like, wow, I want to dress like you. Mm. that outfit totally. oh my gosh I want that silhouette I want yeah. to wear those baggy clothes without my dump truck ass getting in the way <laughs> and my badonkas like mm. it, it's um it's only when you start meeting like-minded people and discussing right. these feelings you're like wait yeah. you felt like that too wait you thought that too and then things add up the exposure um, to it yeah I think that's why I was obsessed with with like Claire Duvall and the cheerleader movie because she's so neutral mm. yeah like, she's just a very neutral figure, which I think is so rare Yes. in queer media. To have somebody who is so, like... I don't even think she necessarily... Do you know what I mean? I think she's got, like... She's obviously, like... In, like It's credible. She's, like, you know, incredibly sexy and cool. But there's something very, like, neutral sure. and, like, 
unassuming about her and everything even when she kind of like goes to the bar and she's got, I was obsessed with that outfit in the movie I mm. really wanted it but she's wearing like you know all black it's very like you know it's mm. always it's it's quite rare to see somebody who's quite muted in terms of their expression it's not hyper feminine exactly yeah. yeah it rests in this really quite rare place where mm. she doesn't feel like she has to she doesn't feel the need to express you know outwardly it's mm. just who she is it's just her and yeah. she's just chilling and yeah. everyone wishes they were her i know i was absolutely obsessed with her and i bought the like the jeans and the shirt she wore when i was like 15 because i, like, I want to wear that <laughs> i think that's amazing though and it's really good to hear that that, that there's so those sort of role models although maybe not in the mainstream they those sort of role models were yeah they, there. i mean they didn't exist i think the reason i'm struggling to think of people is because they didn't they don't exist no. or if they did they were like not my because it is such a spectrum and i know we throw that word around but it is so true like i remember seeing people like ellen degeneres and like Mm. sue perkins and i'm not dismissing their queerness at all but but i'd see them and be like oh well they're lesbians yeah because they wear suits and have short hair yeah and that's kind of i think it was always and also you'd always have like the boy lesbian and the girl lesbian Mm. too like in any if they were if they were couples in like shows or whatever it would be like this one's going to wear uh, Doc Martens and be have you know a buzz cut and have you know dungarees on, and this one's going to be in a bra. Like yeah. it was so, <laughs> there was never any really male middle gaze, male, male gaze. gaze, male gaze. So I think it was like as close to like normality as people sure. want. You know what I mean? It was. And then on the on the flippity flip side as well, like it people if when you look back, lesbians. Or, or a lot of lesbians in the um, media weren't feminine or mm. weren't allowed yeah. to express their femininity. Sure. It was like, you got to wear a suit because you're gay. Yeah, got to mm. wear a suit. and it, Or you're in porn. Like, that's yeah. actually it. it it's, sure. it's so complicated. And it's something that we could go on about forever mm. and ever. Um, I think just the beauty of the show and the people in the show, everyone was just them. And... It was a very accepting space. It was. And it was so nice to meet people who identify as queer and then specifically understand them and how they identify. And, you know, it was so, it, it was really nice to meet people who aren't the stereotypical or what you deem as stereotypical X, Y, and Z. I it think was, we, it was nice. It felt very, I think a lot of us felt you like grow you grow through those experiences and it was very unique and very like tight knit. So yes. I think we all there was great care and like importance mm. for everybody. But it was like a very close knit group of people. We felt like we had to be because we were like if we're telling this kind of story, we can't contradict ourselves and mm. make it an unspace uh, un, uh, un, unsafe space is what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um you know, we were there to listen and discover. A lot of us mm. discovered things and whether it was private things or, or we shared these things, you know, it wasn't just the people, it wasn't just the performers, the backstage people and the crew, you know, ev- everyone was everyone. And mm. I certainly learned a lot about me, yeah. you know, about you. <laughs> I actually had a great journey. I had a really good <laughs> journey for me. But I remember Jodie Steele, the queen, the mm. icon, the living legend. I remember her saying to me, she's like, I mean, she's done a million things, yes. you know, yeah. she's a star. She was like, I have never felt so comfortable mm. in a cast. Yes. She's like, I feel like so 
contented with mm. in this group of people and that's she's been in so many things so yes. I, you know i think it's we, it was very much you could be just yourself there was no Absolutely. yeah i remember ollie saying that too yeah. um and i think most of us felt yeah i felt really just con- it was just you know I, people always say like a family so i always am hesitant to say that but it was very um special group and everyone was just incredibly good too and made it so funny. It was very hard not to laugh. Oh, <laughs> I did. Alice did. I was the worst at corpsing. And Absolutely it got to the worst. point where I just, I couldn't even be bothered. I couldn't hide it. And I would see you because you, <laughs> were, you were right from me. So then I would be affected. I just like, I think, so. I, what I was telling myself is, it looks worse when you try to hide it. Just like, enjoy it. The audience are loving it. You enjoy it too. And that's, that was my process when I was audibly laughing in your face. Going, <laughs> Fully laughing in front of me. And now I look annoying if I don't join in. It's like, like, oh, she takes the job so seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm actually more professional, Alice. So can you grow up? To be fair, though, Megan was a happy girl. So it could easily be in her, you know, arsenal of uh, facial expressions. Yeah. Absolutely. Like a chuckle. I mean, was, it wasn't even embarrassing, though. It was just so... I had so much fun. I, think I don't sh- care what I think like. the show is so, like... Um, I'm trying to think of the right word. But it feels like it does have that kind of like, like you know, gung ho, like we're throwing it together yeah. feel. Mm. And I think lots of the kind of fourth wall breaking stuff. I think it's very much like the audience are in along for the yes. ride. Yeah. So I think when stuff would inevitably go wrong, because there's like a lot of us on a, a small stage mm. that breaks a lot, um, and we have quick change. The quick changes are so. And J- Jodie still just sometimes come on, <laughs> like, oh, you know, shirts would rip off, or I'd light my hand on fire with the cigarette, and just like stuff would always, you know, mm. explode. Um, and but I think the audience, they like. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's like it feels like an inside joke mm. with everybody, rather than being like, this is for us. Like yes, they would yeah. find it. They could see when something had, you know, the beds were, were always. But that's my personal. Personally, my my favorite kind of theatre where mm. I loved it. It feels like theatre. Yeah, we you know what we're gonna see and yeah, it's yeah. like it feels like. I think if you were a person who came back like a lot, which people did, they did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they would like just do you know what I mean? It would be like yes. this happened. This one, yeah. Like, this one, this thing. Alice laughed at this point. Alice thought that was funny today. <laughs> um, so, but they'd always like take note because every show is different. Yeah. I think there's like always you say like a muck up matinee is like the second to last show, but we were like we don't up matinee. We, we were like day. we don't need to do that because <laughs> it's just the same as what we always do. Mm. But yeah, it was I laughed so much. Yeah, it's something lovely about the turbine theatre as well as a space. It's a really, really um, interesting kind of new space to. I think mm. that is supporting a lot of LGBTQ work as yeah. well. And um, new theatre full stop. Yes, you know it's. Yeah. I mean, I love a classic. I do love a classic, mm. but every time they announce something and I'm like, oh, not again, not yeah. again, not again. Do we need a show about white cis men again? Yeah. <laughs> Another, Another beautiful song. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's lovely that it's getting a platform. I just wish there was more mainstream or like mm. mad big theatres willing to take risks. And I understand risks uh are almost impossible at the minute because of covid and we mm. things aren't the same and they're not going to be the same for a while so yeah it i think also i mean i have a it probably is a you know hot take but i i genuinely don't think anything should like i think shows should get a year 
two mm. years max and then out something else in yeah i think like so much so many theaters are occupied by stuff that is basically no one in london mm. or like it's only like tour it's just tourism which is how it survives the industry yeah. in a big way and I understand that, but like in an ideal situation, I'm like a perfect little world. Perfect, da, da, da. I think just like it's it's about like keeping it fresh. And people, yeah. I think it underestimates audiences because mm. I think you know people want to see you know people want to go and see something new. It's, yeah. it's like intrigue, and people who really care about theatre, which is a lot of people. Mm. Like if something's new and something, I will always want to go to that. Absolutely. You know, I think. I think things that stay stay around for a long time, and you know, because you'll talk to actors in these things too, and they'll be like, "Yeah, the blocking is the same. There's no changes, nothing. Yeah. You go there, you hold your hand here, you do this." So even they like you lose energy because you know mm. you lose that excitement, yes. you know, which is like, you know, I think we're both lucky to be in a new musical. That is, and the first cast of one it doesn't really happen very often, so that was really so nice and rare. To have creative license. Yes, yeah. And put your own spin on things. It's interesting um, talking to you after just speaking to people who've been in Legally Blonde, which was a very another very yeah. short run at the Open Air Theatre. Another musical which had a predominantly uh, queer cast and also uh, a very diverse cast in terms of race as well. Yeah. Um, and how, listening to you speak, listening to them speak as well, this idea about having having the license to be able to change things and to find new perspectives on things and specifically new queer perspectives on things as well. Um, it's interesting to think about where that's happening in terms of theatres in London because most people, I suppose, or most of us tend to think of the West End as being the sort of main place in London to see theatre. But actually, if you want to find LGBTQ musicals, then it's better to be looking sort of in the fringes, in the regional places, that kind of if thing. If you want to find anything new, yeah. basically, yeah. yeah, almost anything new, you have to venture out because it just is so rare that things, you know, move in because <laughs> yes. there's no room. So yeah. I think you almost always, you know, it, sometimes, you know, you'll find something and it's exciting. Often with play, plays of more turnover, Yes. Which I yeah. think is the right way to do it. Because I'm always excited, you know, if something, mm. a new plot, I'm like, I want to go see that because like, it's yes. not going to be there that long. So, mm. you know, there is an urgency to it, um, which I think is, I think that's the ideal model. But I yeah. think there's less uh, interest in, in taking risk with musicals, probably because it just costs more mm. um, to do and you can't predict an audience. Yes. But yeah. you can see with new musicals, like, so many of them thrive, mm. you know, I'm thinking everybody's talking about Jamie um, and Juliet, which although is a jukebox musical, certainly is quite a fresh take on a a story. Mm. You know, there have been things that I've gone in and have done quite well, really. Yeah, I've seen stuff that should absolutely have transferred. Yes. You know? Well, Cheerleader is definitely one of them, I think. I think it it would be a... They will definitely uh, be trying to do that. But I've known other ones. I went to see a great show last year. It was just so brilliant. And I was like, of course it's going to transfer... And it's not. And I was like, because there's just no space. Which show was that? It's all What's New Pussycat um, okay. in Birmingham. Yes, yes. It's just, just so good. Mm. Like, again, Duke's Box, but it was so inventive. Yeah. It was so creative, so fun, great mm. pace, like, so successful at what it was doing. And I was like, of course it should transfer. Mm. Of course it should. Yeah. And it has such, like, like the people who'd go and see it, you mm. know. Um, and it was, you know... It was so great, it was so diverse, it was so exciting. Yeah. Um, 
like didn't feel any kind of like tokenism. It was just so like mm. you know embraced everybody. And I just there's no room. Mm. Like there's no they couldn't find a theatre. Yeah. So because there's no room. Yes. So you're like that that shouldn't be happening. No. You shouldn't be losing you know mm. new exciting theatre to just the fact that they're like we don't have anywhere yeah. available for you. It just feels. I don't know, it feels ludicrous to me, but that's just an example. I'm sure it happens all the time. Yeah. One of the things I'm encouraging people to do is to, with these, which is why I asked you to name that musical, is if you hear about these musicals, quite often now you will find, even if you can't find a cast recording, you will find mm -hmm. things on YouTube, you will find things on SoundCloud. Um, and it's really important that we try and support these musicals yeah. and keep them going in the time when they can't find a theatre. Yeah. So hopefully. But they'll even come back. things like. I am not from London. I mm. I moved to London for college, and then as soon as pandemic hit, I'm back out of London. Yeah. I am not a London girl. And theatre for me, I'm from a place where there is no regional theatre. Mm. I'd have to travel an hour and a bit to get yes. to yeah. anywhere where something's touring. So I relied on these videos. I relied on the cast mm. recordings totally. to get my fix yes. of musical theatre. So like, I think the, the even even in that sense, like, I would love Chile to get a cast recording. Mm. Um, because I get asked, I get asked people want yeah, it, and absolutely. It, that's how like Heather's like. That's what I boomed in the way it would it be did. like in the TikTok era. Mm. It's just like as <laughs> they say, dance, like, yeah, it's the TikTok age. Um, that makes me sound so old. But, it, but again, it is. It's like it is. It's how you. Theatre's still it. expensive. Even a theatre as small as the Turbine is expensive. Yes. I I went to my first West End show when I was. 13 something like that which some people might be like oh yeah and what but I remember kids coming back from a holiday in London like I saw this this and this and I was like they don't even care about musical theatre I live and breathe it and I haven't been to the West End and it's it, it there's such a divide with yeah. London and everywhere else and even like looking at the tour dates for my next adventure the amount of theatres in the south compared to up north mm. is Crazy. insane yeah. insane and whether or not you know they branch out more it, it's like things are happening in manchester lovely yes. let's have something in nottingham let's have something in sheffield sure. birmingham we've got some stuff going on because that's where pussycat was wasn't it yeah great um, theater beautiful new and they're, theater they're fantastic theaters and i just and sold think, out every day i, I yeah. wish we were able to take risks i i complete because i mean i've been involved with producing things mm. it, it not full-scale musicals at all, but even then there's risks and, and box ticking we have to do and things we have to achieve and guarantee we make some money so that we at least break even and stuff. You know, I understand the risks, but I do, I just wish we, we were able to make these yeah. risks I think more often. I think particularly because a lot of the people who would be able to easily afford to take these risks are the ones that don't take them. Yes. yes. There's people who are risk but not. Or they think they're taking a risk. Yeah. And they're, they're not. not. But they will, you know, which is why, I mean, you see basically anything that transferred away comes from the States, which is not inherently a bad thing. Mm. Like there's some shows I think it's great. Yeah. I was glad Funhome came here and Young Vic is a great space. Yeah. I'm not inherently against transfers. Like, I no. think it's really, sometimes I'm excited, it's exciting. Um, and as you say, like, I would think it was always like, we'd go to like the theater once a year. It was a very exciting for like my family, but it was going on like special trip. Mm. Um, but we, I'd be so excited if there was something over that come from the States, cause you're like, oh, yeah. I've been listening to the soundtrack over and over. Mm. So like that, I'm not against transferring, but uh, I think it's always, it's always the people who could, it would not even touch them to take a risk. Yeah. 
who don't do it. Yeah, I mean, it feels like the places, the the medium-sized places, something like the Arts Theatre, but even the Arts Theatre... It was fantastic that it supported six, but six was in the art theatre for a very, very long time. And it stopped anything else really um, getting in there. And like we said, you know, with the pandemic, for these larger theatres, I suppose, or not larger theatres, for that particular size of theatre, it is about kind of trying to balance things back up again. But Mm -hmm. still, we need more of those size of spaces. And if they're not going to be in London, then we do need to be looking at the Birmingham Rep. Yeah. Um, the um, oh, I forget what the one is in Sheffield where Jamie started. It's a fantastic Lyce- Lyce- uh, There's the yeah. Lyceum and there's the... C- C- Crucible. With the Crucible. They're yeah. both brilliant theatres. And Birmingham Rep is amazing. I think it was like their first big show there. It was yeah. a beautiful theatre. There's some wonderful things at the Derby Playhouse as well. Mm. They've been doing a lot yeah. of work with different companies um watermill yeah 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 and of course hope mill up in manchester as well yeah so there are there are spaces that are doing it and so perhaps the next thing is for us to make sure that we're always um advertising you know helping to support with whatever social media i mean i don't have very much but whatever (laughs) social media we have thank you for listening to this podcast if you're enjoying it don't forget to subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast service If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Queer Musicals or you can follow me at Dr. James Lovelock. The Grad Fest as well was something that came, that was, I can't, it was start, did it start before the pandemic or it was part of the pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. And that was again something that was so important. Um, And, you know, it was obviously Grad Fest is for everybody, but there was a lot of um, LGBTQ. Uh, people that came out of that and I know that Gradfest has been involved in various uh, uh, musicals and concerts and that kind of thing we just wanted a space that represented who was coming into the industry Mm. and schools there's still a way to go but they're getting there they are becoming more diverse and I think students are becoming or are allowing themselves to be themselves I the college I went to um for the first two years, I was a shell of myself. I was not, I was not me. Mm. And I, I don't, I can't, I'm not going to speak for everyone else, but the experience I had there made me become not me. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I left when I was like, hang on a second, <laughs> where have you been all this time? And I came, <laughs> lockdown was a, an awful time, but it, I refound me. Mm. You have to, you honestly, there's no other, I say that whenever I talk to like grads or students, yeah. I d- didn't really do much musical theatre training, I trained in acting, but mm. all the musical theatre training I did, which again was quite new to me, I didn't really know anything about it, I just liked it, Yeah. I just thought I should, you know, seemed like a natural path, but it was so like, you should wear this to auditions, and you should do this, and you should talk like this, and it just is never going to work. I mean, I always say it's, it's funny that I would be considered like niche, Mm. because I am not uh, but I was really struggling mm. to get in, like into room. Well, I got into rooms but I would like you know and do well but you know I don't think I think they're like she's like interesting so for a lot of like main stuff, <laughs> stuff they were like mm, well, we don't really know. want interesting well, people thank um, you <laughs> yeah and I would try and kind of like sterilize my, you know, myself but it doesn't really didn't work so I was like I'm just gonna have to figure something else out yes. like I have to like make like myself known mm. because I was seeing all these people who would do stuff on social media and then hop off of that and do you know like that's yeah, how yeah. they were climbing so I literally just started doing things mm. I had to do it for a while and then I had like one thing that went like that 
did really well. And that was, I got, suddenly was in like rooms for everything. Because that's what, yeah. it's like that's, and it was gay, which has now been my, it was literally, that's, was, that's. Hi, gay. It was very, <laughs> it was like, yeah, what was it, it was called, it had lesbian in the title, so people, uh, that's now my, <laughs> my brand. Because <laughs> everyone was like, oh my, I'd like go into like concerts and people like, oh my God, it's the lesbian from Twitter. Like, that's like, I don't even know right. my name. So I think, but then I suddenly, the world was so much more open to me. So yes. I think it was literally, I, I was like, I wasn't even me taking it. I just was like, I need to do this. Mm. Otherwise I'm stuck. So that was kind of the only solution that I saw. So I, I was so desperate to, to be me, but everything was just getting in the way. Um, and I wanted to change that. Um, and then Liam started the grad fest. He was like reaching out like, oh, who wants to get involved? And me being that person who mm. wants to do everything went, if you need some help, I'm <laughs> here. And it, it went from there and it became massive. And I think because I believed in everything that Liam was saying to me, I think I was what he needed to go, right, no, if we're going to do it, let's do it properly. Yes. And from then on, we've produced concerts. We've produced a, a full-scale show at the Garden Theatre in Vauxhall. Mm. We we want graduates to not panic with the whole, if you don't get your first job in the West mm. End, then who are you? One thing that I, I was told repeatedly, well, my year we're told repeatedly at college is, you're only as good as your um, last job, which is something that, the, even the first time it was said to me, I went, huh? <laughs> <laughs> what? Because a job's a job. Yeah. A job is a job and it doesn't matter. As long as you're getting paid or credited for the thing you love, if you went if you went and told your younger self or even your 17-year-old self who was auditioning for drama schools thinking, will I get in, won't I get in? That mm. you were being paid to sing on a stage yeah. or act on a stage or totally. dance in the background behind somebody in the corner. Brilliant. You know, yeah. it, it, it doesn't matter. You're working in this very restrictive industry mm. so if you're if you're doing that regardless of what it is oh my goodness run run for mm. the hills scream yeah. and shout about it it's impressive in itself it's, it's just the exist existing yeah. in it is hard to be able to yeah. say to people i'm an actor i even i cringe every time i, I never like, don't Why say do you do that i and don't I go, say because it. it's weird i don't I even sh- say it shouldn't it. be my job i say musician I genuinely i say i'm a musician i don't say actor. But, but, but do you know what i mean like i'd even struggle to say I'm a dancer. <laughs> yeah, I always introduce myself as that. It's my first. But um, yeah, and, and also during, lo- during lockdown, there was lots of turbulence. And so we wanted to be a true representation of what our industry is becoming. And hopefully that will continue. And yeah, we've had a quiet time because we've all been busy doing our own things. But things are starting up again. And we, we never want it to end. Yeah. I think at some point we might have to pass the baton onto the next generation of wannabe producers and creators, which yeah. is what we want. And we just want to be a safe space for graduates to be able to come to us and, and say, hey, um, I have thoughts, feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I do this? Can, can, I, can you read this email that I'd like to send to an agent? And mm. we, just, we just want to be the honest and welcoming version of our industry. Because that, that does exist in our industry. Yes. Our industry isn't that mm. bad. I'm still here. I'm, I haven't left it yet. Um, and I really do love what I do. And I just want that to be the sole reason we all continue to do what we do. Because everyone starts because of there's an ignition of passion somewhere. 
But yeah, absolutely, you know, and one of the things I think when we're talking about drama school training as well, and there's a responsibility on those of us yeah. that are educators to mm. change with the time. And one of the things that I've spoken to some of our other guests about on the podcast is things like, um, you know, how important it is that we know about non-binary identities. Yeah. How important it is in musical theatre that we start to explore bisexual characters you know all of these things thinking about trans voices and how and uh, how trans people can move and yeah. all of those different things as well and it's it, it feels like it's always a bit slow for you know oh, drama schools are always a few years behind everybody else and absolutely and it, so it's really important that we kind of get on top of this i think yeah. it, it it starts with with letting people be themselves mm. for yeah. heaven's sake let people be themselves this binary of uniforms, girls must wear this, boys must yeah. wear this. Antiquated. My mm. goodness, I was so uncomfortable, regardless of the fact it was, let's forget about the genderedness. Like, uniforms, I was I was uncomfortable to start with. So I can't even begin to think about somebody yeah. who is being forced to wear something that doesn't reflect how they identify or how they feel. Like, showing off, I remember their wording was like, it has to show off your figure. And I'm like, people, come on. Yeah, that, yeah, I, I, why? Yeah. Just either, just, just, just say, just have one uniform. Or alternatives so that people are comfortable. Or, or allow people to come to you. Or, or make people feel comfortable enough to come to you and express that they don't feel comfortable. Because people don't. And then they suffer in silence and the rest is herstory. Yeah, I think it's very, um, it's like very old fashioned. Like weirdly old fashioned. Yeah, I and they like, take pride in it. They're yeah, like, they love oh, it. I bloody love it. Yeah, they love, love being old fashioned. That's why we're the best drama school. Yeah, and it, then it doesn't. We don't really work mm. because people eventually realise. I it took me a while. I've talked to so many grads or like students in the last years who are like, "Well, I want to wear this for my showcase," but they said I can't wear this. And you're like, what? "Like what? Mm. Like just wear? Like don't listen to them." But I know at the time I felt a obligated absolutely it's different when you're outside of it and can be like that's ludicrous but you don't want to stand up to well, i don't want to stand up to authority yeah. Yeah. um scary so we've talked a lot about the musical theater industry and the things that we need to change and that kind of thing so i'm really interested to know about what you might like to do in the future what sort of roles you might like to play or what sort of projects you might like to get involved mm. in um shall i start yeah <laughs> um i personally would love to play roles again it's it's, it's similar to, i just want to be able to play roles that i i know i'm perfectly capable of playing mm. but on face value somebody would go no whether it be my my body my looks oh she's got tattoos she could never be in rogers and hammerstein things like that and i'm finally you laugh but it's true darling <laughs> um i'm finally at a point where i'm like once upon a time, I was like, can't get tattoos, can't change my hair because I must look pristine for musical theatre. And I'm like, have we heard of makeup? Have we heard of wearing long sleeves to hide this tattoo, that tattoo? I don't think an audience member will go, oh, I really like that show, but do you know what? Let it down. The fact that that character wore long sleeves the whole time. <laughs> like, we can do things. And contemporary shows exist where, guess what? every man and his dog has a tattoo and little things like that and how size doesn't matter and hair color doesn't matter we have wigs for a reason you know and and i just want to be able to turn around and be like i, I can play anything i can do anything because i know i can i just need other people to believe that yeah and that is something that little Alice would never think she'd she'd say out loud 
I know I can do anything. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people might disagree. But I feel like I could give everything and anything a go. Um, I just did a, a concert. Um, I volunteered with... It. It's a company called the Northern Musical Theatre Orchestra. Mm. And if, if anyone's listening who is from the North, please search them and join. It's the best thing. And we just did South Pacific. And oh, I played Nelly. And that is a character I, I can never see myself being hired to play. Because I'm... I'm a cool mom. I've got I've got my nose pierced. I've got tattoos. You know, when would Nelly? Not saying that Nelly would <laughs> have a nose ring, but like you can hide it and stuff. But I I that my voice was made for that type of mm. characters. That's where my and you know I I was raised with those type of shows. So that's where my I naturally th- thrive. Mm. But ever since I've left college, I've not I've not I've. I, I think I couldn't even count on one hand the amount of classic shows I, or classical shows I've been seen for. Mm. When I know that's where my true strength lies. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong, I've been seen for a lot of things and I'm eternally grateful. But, um, yeah, I, I, I just want normal people, people, regardless of their shape, size, colour, ethnicity, um, sexuality, gender, you know, for goodness sake... Mm. I, I'm just. I feel like I'm repeating myself because everyone's repeating themselves because we we keep saying this, that, and the other. I just let me let me do my job. I know I'll do it well. I know some people will go. That's a weird choice, but I'll sing out a tune and you'll go. Okay, fine. Yeah. Um, Evie, uh, have, what would you like to do in the future? What sort of things are you interested in exploring? Um, uh, anything. Is anyone <laughs> casting at the moment? Uh, I'm really up for whatever's available. Mm. Um, <laughs> That's genuinely kind of weddings, true. Weddings, yeah. bar mitzvahs. I genuinely <laughs> would, yeah. Um, preferably bar mitzvahs is my specialty. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm currently very slowly, of course, writing um, like a one-woman show. Um, gradually. <laughs> um, so probably be, you know, ready to go to the fringe in the year 2029. <laughs> uh, the pace is going. But that's... Um, I obviously want to do things like that, but it's hard on your own. Mm. It's hard on your own. But I also, I've not done enough work with other people to know if I'd be good at that. Because <laughs> I'm very trust you anal there. retentive. Um, oh. But it's also about, but that's also, you know, to do with, um, it's frustration of being like, oh, I wish I was better at this. Mm. Like, I should be better at piano, you know? Like, I should be able to do that. I can see in my brain what I want it to be, but it, isn't always what you want, so it takes longer. Yes. Um, but once I get orchestrators in and stuff like that, it'll be, it'll be better. But So that's fun. I I don't know. I mean, I also, I don't even have the, you know, the same uh, inherent ability necessarily that Alice has for kind of legit shows. Those are my favourite shows. And um, I always try and push to get seen for yeah. them because I, you know, like, I'm using my favorite movie, like de- I mean, desperate to play these parts. Like I, I, you know, I, I, it's what I grew up with. I was a chorister. I did classical singing all my childhood. But I think because I realized online you should do certain things to get like you know attention. Yeah. I think I remember my agent once said like somebody said like oh can she even sing that like but you know I didn't get a chance to do it. <laughs> but I know if I like posted a video of me singing like you know 
I have confidence on Twitter, everyone be like, what? Oh my God, I'd love that though. <laughs> that like, is the most what? camp song. I love co- I have confidence. I love it. Song. I like that Julie Andrews hates it. It makes me laugh so much. It's really hard <laughs> to sing. But I, yeah, I mean, I'd love to play those roles, but it's often, I think, yeah, you get, you get put in a box yeah. and it's hard to break out of that, mm. I think. So. I don't even know what box I'm in. I know, but I don't But I'm in a box. I think I've struggled to be in a box, and that probably is why stuff like that. It's just, you know, classic roles. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe we aren't actually in the box. That's the problem. Yeah, I'm, like, climbing around it. Trying but to yeah, we're outside it, running around. Yeah, so... Can't find the door in. Yeah, and you get, you, get, you get placed. But, like, you know, as soon as I did something where I was, you know, you know doing a neurodivergent part or doing, you know, queer roles, like, they, then you just get started, to, you start to get seen for only that. Yeah. Which is mm. fine. And, like, I'm very happy to be part of those projects. Yeah. But it does reach a point where it's, like, I do, you know... It feels tokenistic. It does. Yeah. And it's quite... Uh, it, it just... It's a bit, you know... It's very unimaginative. Mm. And it also means that you're blocking off, you know, those parts for other people. Sure. Um... But as soon as I played something like that, they were like, you immediately. Mm. Like when I did the song that went like viral on Twitter, everything was gay that I was seen for, yeah. immediately. Because they were like, we can you, you know, it's like branding. Mm. Um, I was asked to do cheerleader. They were like, oh, we can, you know. I, I mean, they're very flattered, and I think it was for lots of other reasons. But yeah. also they were like, she's kind of, you know, there's an established thing for her. So it's, but then you know. also, yeah. sorry to make it about me. Um, it's it's the idea of you're not queer enough because I think I'll oh, I will constantly God. be thrown under that bus. Sure, always. She's not queer enough, and like Megan wasn't queer enough for even her to understand realize she was queer. Mm. Um, so yeah, I got that. I get that all the time. I got it when in Chile, though, people always saying whatever, but uh, I had to just kind of stick by my. <laughs> yeah, but that, like, that was the wonderful yeah. thing about cheerleader is that it all felt. I mean, the word authentic is used a lot, but it did feel that there was a queerness about it that might not have been there if it had been cast in a different way. And, yeah. you know, personally, I loved it. I loved, you know, every every actor in it, every part in it. It was so... There were so many different um, identities being represented on mm. there, and it was it was really wonderful. And I hope that that's something that happens. It goes back to the thing you were saying earlier on about being yourself first and then building the character from there. And I think that that's... I really hope that the industry will start doing that and things will change. It's the opportunities. Mm. I've I've been in for so many things where they're like, she doesn't look uh, gay enough. Mm. They're like, oh, she's got boobs. Can't. Or, you know, she's like... (laughs) They just... It's so... It's It's deeply It's bizarre, isn't it? It's just weird. And you're like... And then they cast a straight person. So you're like, okay... (laughs) It's like we, we're actors, we, we play for a living, we pretend to be people for a living. There's makeup artists who are very talented at what they can mm. do. There's wiggers, wiggies, wiggers, wiggers, <laughs> wiggies, people who do wigs uh, who are very good at, you know, like imagination is a thing and we've had it mm. since children. So if there is Nelly with a tattoo saying I heart mum, people can get over it. Like, oh, Thank you both so much. You are both absolutely wonderful. I've loved talking to you today. Um, hopefully we will see you in something very very soon and definitely a recording for cheerleader oh, please thank you thank you very much thank you some sort of hashtag it's, it's yeah not me <laughs> the gay rights yeah just gay rights <laughs> absolutely thank you so much thank and you. thank you everybody at home for listening and i'll see you next time thank you bye
next week on Represent, the QueerMusicals.com podcast. We're joined by Liam McAvoy and Joe Foster from the cast of Legally Blonde. Because, you know, I'm a lot older than you are and it it makes me... Yeah, you are a lot older. Ah, (laughs) Elderly, very elderly. Um, Everybody fight and laugh. (laughs) This episode will come out on Friday the 10th of September. See you there.